Shrunken Heads in the Pitt Rivers Museum. One of the most fascinating displays in the Pitt Rivers Museum is labeled Treatment of Dead Enemies. The case includes shrunken heads, or tzantzas, from South America. Each of these is about the size of a large orange. Some are suspended from cords. Some have the iridescent wing covers of beetles as hair decoration. Their mouths and eyes are sewn shut. To visitors today, they can appear gruesome, but also compelling. As the curator for the Americas collections at the Pitt Rivers Museum, I want to explain why the shrunken heads were made and what they meant in the societies they come from. I also want to discuss the issues they raise as a museum display and some of the questions that museum staff and visitors have asked about this display. The census have much to teach us about how human beings understand themselves and about why humans treat each other like this within the societies that the census come from and in the societies which displace census in museums. The production and use of census. Sanses, or shrunken heads, were made by Shuar and Ashuar people of Ecuador and Peru in South America. Shuar and Ashuar belief in taking head trophies is quite different from that found in other societies around the world, such as Naga and Ilongot, who took heads as war trophies. Shuar and Ashuar people did not display shrunken heads publicly in the way that trophy heads in other societies around the world were. Instead, Shuar and Ashuar people wanted the power of the souls they believed were inside the head. Historically, Shuar and Ashuar people lived in small villages or extended families. They lived by hunting, gardening, and raising livestock, supplemented by fishing and gathering. Men often took more than one wife, and households usually included married daughters and their families. They had mestizo and other tribal peoples as trade partners. Although their ways of life were identical, Shuar and Ashuar people maintained hostile relations with each other. They raided and took heads from each other frequently. They did not take heads from outside their groups, nor did they make sances from women's heads. Heads were taken to get the powers located within them in order to aid the killer's group. It was not the physical head that people wanted. It was the power of a man's soul that was desired to capture for one's family. Shuar and Ashuar people believed that men had several souls. One, the Aryatam, was acquired through dreaming, and acquiring this soul was the basis of men's power. Acquiring an Aryatam made a man want to kill, and they formed war parties to raid and take heads. A second kind of soul, the Musak, came into existence when a man who had an Aryatam soul was killed. It is his avenging soul. After the killing and taking of a head on a raid, therefore, rituals focused on preventing this Musak soul from avenging the death by containing it within the head and harnessing its power. The head shrinking process itself was thought to force the soul to enter the head, and the skin was rubbed with charcoal so it could not see out to cause an accident to the trophy taker. The lips were also pinned together and later sewn together to prevent the soul from escaping. The process of creating the shrunken head involved peeling the skin and hair off the skull, which was thrown away. Only the skin and hair were kept. This was soaked in hot water briefly, and then hot sand was poured inside the skin cavity. The hot sand treatment was repeated several times, and the facial features were shaped each time between treatments. When a war party returned home with a sansa, 
three ritual feasts were held. These were intended to control the captured soul and to transfer its power to women relatives of the head taker. It was thought that this power helped women in gardening and in raising animals so that they could produce more food for the family. The third and final Sansa feast might be held a year or more after the head was taken to enable the family to raise pigs and crops for the occasion and it involved hundreds of people. During the final ritual, the Sansa was instructed about the way of life of its captors group and about their territory. It was also addressed as if it was a child being born to the group. After this, the soul was ritually expelled from the shrunken head. After this point in the ritual process, the heads themselves had little value within Shuar or Ashuar society. They might be sold to a mestizo trading partner and were not believed to be powerful after this final process ended. Collection of Sansas and Acquisition by Museums Headhunting increased greatly in the late 19th century. This was, this was a response to changing trade in the region, which left the Shuar with very few items that were considered valuable by their trading partners. For instance, they had raised and traded pigs, but when their trading partners also obtained pigs, these became less valuable as trade items. Sansas were left as one of the few valuables to trade for lance heads and guns. As shrunken heads became more valuable, they began to be produced just for trade and not for ritual at all. As early as 1895, heads of women and children were taken in a raid. Since women and children were not believed to have powerful souls, their heads could not be used in Sansa rituals, which means that these heads were taken specifically for trade. Heads also began to be taken from settlers and mestizos living on the borders of Shuar and Ashuar territory. The manufacture of shrunken heads for the tourist trade was illegal in Ecuador, Peru and Brazil, but continued because it was quite profitable. American, British and European colonial officials and tourists often purchased shrunken heads and many of these ended up in museums around the world. Most of these fakes were made from the heads of goats and dogs, but some were made from human heads acquired from morgues and poorhouses. The Pitt Rivers Museum collection includes three heads that were probably made for sale. In one of these, a Quito newspaper of 1936 was found wadded into the crown of the head, where, in a real Sansa, kapok, a cotton-like plant fibre, would have been used. Fake Sansas are still available for sale in South America, but the Shuar and Ashuar stopped making ritual Sansas by the late 1960s. Pressures from missionaries, the threat of army intervention by national governments, and the passing of generations has meant that people are no longer avenging deaths and no longer take heads to acquire power. Sansas in the Pit Rivers Museum The shrunken heads in the Pit Rivers Museum were acquired from six different collectors between 1884 and 1936. General Pit Rivers, the founder of the museum, contributed one human head, he also purchased a shrunken sloth head, and we know nothing about the origins of either of these heads. William Bragg, an engineer who worked in Rio de Janeiro and Buenos Aires in the 1850s, who later gave several collections to museums and became a fellow of the Anthropological Society, donated one shrunken human head. Someone named Mrs. Sanders gave us another, and we know nothing about her at all, or about where that head came from. Major Ronald H. Thomas donated a large collection that he acquired in Peru, Ecuador, and Colombia to the museum in the 1920s. 
His collection came with a written vocabulary list from some of the people he collected from. Included in his collection were a shrunken sloth head, two shrunken monkey heads, and three shrunken human heads. Museum staff later came to believe that all three shrunken human heads in this collection were not ritual senses, but produced for sale. William Lote, a naturalist, also donated a shrunken human head in 1932, but since his career was in Egypt, we don't know how he acquired it. This kind of frustratingly incomplete information is typical about many objects in museums around the world. There is no documentation about how exactly the shrunken heads in the Pit Rivers Museum were acquired, but given the constant trade in such material to Europeans since at least the 19th century, they could readily have been purchased or traded in places like Quito and other cities in Peru, Ecuador, and Brazil. They were acquired as curios by Europeans, as specimens of what were then thought to be, quote, primitive, unquote, or, quote, savage, unquote, peoples. The senses are displayed in the Treatment of Dead Enemies case in the court of the museum. This case is near another display on treatment of the dead, that is, the beloved dead, and that display includes a Catholic relic and a Scottish grave marker. The Treatment of Dead Enemies case examines what human societies around the world do with the bodies of dead enemies. The case includes head trophies from Nagaland, scalps from North American Indian tribal warfare, and carved boards from New Guinea on which skulls were hung. According to the museum's gallery attendants, the question, where are the shrunken heads, is the most frequent one that visitors ask. The case has been used as a set for a scene in a Harry Potter movie and as an anchor for an Inspector Lewis television series episode. Artists have asked to photograph and draw them. They are iconic objects, often associated by the public and media, with the essence of the Pitt Rivers Museum. Even in the Pitt Rivers Museum, displays don't remain the same forever. Museum staff have redisplayed the census several times over the years. We know that the heads have been on display in this case since before 1944, when G.E.S. Turner wrote that a fake Sansa, quote, has now been placed on exhibition alongside the genuine Sansas, with a label drawing attention to the features which mark it as false, end quote. The Sansas were examined carefully around that time, as the discovery of the Quito newspaper inside one of the heads shows. When the case was updated in 2003, the old typewritten labels had faded badly, and were replaced with a new text emphasizing the cultural meaning of Sansas. To explain them within the Treatment of Dead Enemies theme, an illustration was added that shows the heads of Guy Fawkes and his co-conspirators on pikes in London following their trial in 1605. Staff at the Pitt Rivers Museum are considering other ways of displaying the shrunken heads in the long term, and are also considering whether it is appropriate to continue to display them. I want to explain why we are having these discussions and what we are thinking of doing to the display. Issues of representation. Museums have faced criticism from indigenous communities of not representing them in a balanced way and of not allowing community members to speak for themselves or to be involved in the creation of museum displays. Tribal peoples have been especially concerned that they have been portrayed as primitive and inferior to Western societies in museum displays. At the same time, British society has become more sensitive to displays of human remains, 
feeling that human remains now need to be displayed very carefully. Museums are also concerned about ethical issues in the acquisition of objects in their collections and sometimes face repatriation claims from peoples who feel that objects were acquired unethically or that they're needed in their source communities. The Pitt Rivers Museum knows of no ethical problems in the way that the stances in its collection were acquired, nor has the museum ever had a repatriation request for them. Staff recognise that the heads require sensitive treatment, because these are human remains as well as artefacts. They are also the remains of tribal people from South America, displayed in a British museum. Both of these factors are important when we consider how, and if, shrunken heads should be displayed. Within Britain, several government-appointed groups have recently considered human remains. These have included the Retained Organs Commission, which examined issues connected with medical specimens in England, the Church Archaeology Human Remains Working Group, which focused on what happens to excavated Christian burials in England, and the Working Group on Human Remains, which focused on overseas indigenous remains from 1500 to 1948 AD. Human remains have also been returned to Indigenous communities from many museums across Britain. The government's guidance for the care of human remains in museums recommends that, quote, human remains should be displayed only if the museum believes that it makes a material contribution to a particular interpretation, and that contribution could not be made equally effectively in another way. Displays should be accompanied by sufficient explanatory material, end quote. While some people feel that it is disrespectful to display any human remains in public contexts, such as museums, others feel that museums have a duty to tell the stories of the dead. Melanie Giles, an archaeologist who has worked with bog bodies found in Britain, states that, quote, the violence so often encountered in bog deaths strengthens an obligation to reveal what happened in the past, to tell the story of the one who was beaten, brutalized, and hidden. End quote. She also suggests that human remains offer an opportunity to explain very different societies so that the decisions they made do not strike us as alien, exotic, or barbaric, but rational, knowledgeable, and meaningful, she says, within their particular worldview. This has also been true for exhibitions such as the London Museum's London Bodies Show, which helped the public to understand historic remains found in London including plague victims, and what these people's lives and deaths had been like. There's a great deal we can learn from human remains, both socially and medically. At the same time, people from many indigenous societies have been protesting the display of human remains in Western museums. This has largely been on the grounds that human remains from their societies were often acquired by museums under conditions of unequal power during colonial rule, and against the will of community members. Human remains have also been used to create theories which suggested that Western societies were superior to indigenous peoples. Such theories were used to support colonial rule and thus contributed to the suppression of indigenous cultures. Many indigenous groups also argue that human remains should be regarded as ancestors rather than specimens, and that within this more social perspective, it is inappropriate and disrespectful to exhibit them for public viewing. Displaying shrunken heads within Shuar and Ashuar villages, 
in the context of Sansa rituals was not considered disrespectful by Shuar and Ashuar people historically. Displaying them in museums today for audiences that are mostly British raises several issues that we need to consider. Firstly, there is an ethical issue. Some shrunken heads were not produced for ritual purposes. They were made for sale, and they were made from the unclaimed bodies of the poor found in morgues and hospitals in some South American countries. It could be argued that this echoes the ethical problems over the manner of acquiring organs for donations in some countries, or of acquiring bodies for plastination by affluent Western peoples from poor non-Western peoples. In the case of Sansas, human remains have sometimes been purchased or stolen and processed to produce souvenirs made for sale. With the human heads that have been shrunken to make Sansas, either we are looking at the faces of murdered people who have had their stoles stolen from them, in the case of ritual Sansas, or we are looking at the faces of people who were too poor to prevent their bodies being used like this, in the case of those produced solely for trade. We need to consider whether it's appropriate to display such remains, and, if so, how to do so respectfully. Secondly, there is an issue with what shrunken heads mean to museum visitors. Research with visitors who were looking at the display of shrunken heads in the Pitt Rivers Museum has revealed that many people think of these objects as exotic and primitive. Several visitors expressed morbid fascination using words like bizarre, gruesome, and barbaric. Several people also thought the heads represented a stage of human development and of the development of ethics, which brings into play the idea that some societies are more advanced than others. This is a completely false idea and one that the museum does not wish to support. For one man, the treatment of dead enemies case had, as he said, a freak show element. The freak show, in which physically different people were displayed to the public for entertainment, is a very problematic association for a museum display. Anthropology participated in this kind of viewing through the villages of actual indigenous peoples displayed at world's fairs in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, in which physical and cultural difference from the viewer were emphasized. Headhunters from the Philippines, for instance, were displayed at the St. Louis World's Fair in 1904. Headhunting has also become a metaphor for savage, primitive behavior. How much of this historical background, which is woven very deeply into the culture of Western museum audiences, comes to the surface when people look at shrunken heads? Is that how people see them? And if that's the case, how does the museum create a respectful and educational display? And thirdly, we need to consider what Shuar and Ashuar people think about Sansas today. Now that these people are becoming active players on the national and international political stage in order to safeguard their lands and rights, Sansas have become powerful in a new sense, because they are such a powerful visual anchor for stereotyping. To most Western people, Shuar and Ashuar people are known only as the people who shrank heads. This is not empowering. In the 1990s, anthropologists brought delegations of Shuar people to several museums in the United States and asked about their thoughts on Sansas. Some Shuar felt that shrunken heads should never be exhibited and that they should be stored away from other objects. The Sansas, they explained, are sacred objects requiring special handling and prayer. Other Shuar were content for the heads to remain on display 
but were concerned that exhibition of shrunken heads without other information about Shuar culture perpetuated a stereotype about them that is affecting the way they are perceived today. They said they would like displays to include material showing how colonization and missionization have affected their culture, to show how Western colonization succeeded in devaluing what was ours and imposing cultural values which were foreign to us. So, what do we do with this display? In thinking about how to display the senses, then, we need to bear in mind their historic cultural meanings, the fact that some were produced just for trade, the increasing desire by the government and museums to treat human remains with great respect, the many meanings of shrunken heads to the public, and how Shuar and Ashuar people today feel about them. The Treatment of Dead Enemies case highlights many of the areas that have emerged as sensitive and changing within museums recently. We want the materials in this case, like all the objects on display, to teach, to provoke thought, and to engage with members of the public. We hope that they inspire wonder, as well as thought about the nature of human societies. We also have a duty to respect professional and legal obligations, as well as to respect members of Indigenous communities. Over the next few years, museum staff will continue to think about how to display the shrunken heads and how to provide more information about them and about Shuar and Ashuar culture more broadly. This podcast is part of that process. We hope to produce a leaflet for visitors with a map of all the Shuar and Ashuar material culture on display in the Pitt Rivers Museum, together with more information about these people. This would provide visitors with more information about the societies. And as well as showing the sansas as part of Shuar and Ashuar culture more broadly, we need to find ways of presenting them as products of Europeans' desire for exotic souvenirs, of a global trade system which valued shrunken human heads as trade items. These are not simply Shuar and Ashuar objects. One other issue we are thinking about is whether we should allow the use of photographs of the shrunken heads to appear in the media. The museum receives such requests fairly often, and we find that people want to use the images because of the stereotypes associated with shrunken heads. They want to use these stereotypes of exoticism and gruesomeness to hook readers into reading a story or buying a newspaper. This is disrespectful to Shuar and Ashuar people. We have never seen a request for an image of the shrunken heads for the purpose of challenging stereotypes. As a result, we are currently refusing requests for images of the heads from the media, but we consider every request carefully. We need to change the way in which the stances are displayed to support them physically in a better way. At present, several are suspended by cords, which places great stress on certain parts of the head. We need to make new mounts for these. As we do this redisplay work, we will remove the fake sances that were produced from the bodies of the poor, such as the one with the Quito newspaper inside it, because it is not appropriate to display these. The ritual sances and the shrunken animal heads, the sloth heads, will remain on display to teach about aspects of Shuar and Ashuar culture. We will also be placing another copy of the illustration of the heads of Guy Fox and his co-conspirators after their execution on the side of the Treatment of Dead Enemies case where the shrunken heads are. We hope that by doing this, we will challenge visitors to think about how their own societies deal with the bodies of enemies. We also hope to find other ways to engage the audiences of the Pitt Museum about these objects 
and we encourage you to make suggestions. Thank you for listening. You may send comments to us at prm at prm.ox.ac.uk. Please visit the museum's website at www.prm.ox.ac.uk. My name is Laura Pears. I'm the curator for the Americas, and this was recorded in February 2011.